Welcome to Everyone Loved It But Me. My name is Lisa Hedger, and I'm a freelance writer and editor in Central Ohio. This is the podcast where we take a deep dive in that beloved book that everyone loved but me. You're listening to part two of Where the Crawdads Sing. If you haven't listened to part one, I suggest you go and check out that episode. In part one, my guest Jennifer Bird and I discuss the setting of Where the Crawdads Sing and the way the characters are portrayed. This is a book that is partial love story and partial murder mystery. Our main character, Kaya, is abandoned at a young age with no choice but to fend for herself. In part one, Jennifer and I talk a great deal about what it would be like for a child growing up completely alone and the kinds of impact that might have on you. We also discuss character development. We ended part one right in the middle of the courtroom scenes discussing how the writing style of the murder trial is quite different from the nature writing style throughout the book. Part two is filled with all the spoilers and the whodunit mystery is addressed early on. Please stay tuned for one of my favorite parts of the show, which is everyone hated it but me. This is where my guest or myself get to suggest some books we loved. We're going to start the show and be prepared. Part two jumps right in our discussion, comparing the style of writing in the murder trial with the style of writing throughout the rest of the book. There's a tiny bit of overlap from part one to set the stage. Now on to the show. we've been talking about the characters then we have these courtroom scenes which it feels like it's just a different style of writing what did you think of the courtroom scenes? yeah I mean I'm not a lawyer so I <laughs> right, don't but right. I, I felt like it was it was somewhat confident it kind of had that like gosh I, why can I not remember the scout um oh that... to kill a mockingbird <laughs> to kill a mockingbird yes. yes 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 it had some of those <laughs> vibes and I absolutely. I have to say absolutely I also particularly liked, although some people criticized it, but her connection with the cat, with the courtroom cat, oh, I yeah. was like, oh, yeah. like, oh, she's she's of nature or whatever, so right. it makes sense that the cat would like her. But I just think it's funny to have, like, a courtroom cat. For I sure. One of my favorite jobs was, when I was still a reporter, we had a, a newsroom cat, and it was the best thing ever, so. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I just think that if you are a true nature lover, if you're a true animal lover, you're going to find them everywhere. She wanted the cat yes. to be around because that right. was like her sense of safety and security. Right. Yeah. Right. So that did provide her comfort. I mean, you know, my daughter has said to me, oh, I have, have this little friend, the spider who's on the windowsill. You know, like whatever it is, you just get used to that. It reminds you that you're yes. you're also part of nature. Right. You yeah. still are human, again, because even though... Kaya wasn't nurtured by anybody. She was clearly a nurturer herself. Nature versus nurture. Is that what this debate is? I think almost all of that stuff has been like it's both. You know? Right, right. <laughs> Although, honestly, the fact that Kaya had a loving parent until she was six years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you read that Bruce Perry book, you can see that provides a lot of protective mechanisms. There is a couple chapters where Kaya and her dad kind of a kindergarten first grade age is a really important age where kids are learning so much and that's right when Kaya her dad was was able to be present you know he was communicating right. fishing and yeah yes. all this stuff yes he he kind of held it together for 
a while. We are getting to the courtroom scene again. Here it is. They decide that she's not guilty. When you read that the first time, do you remember? I mean, did you think she was guilty or not? Do you remember what you thought, Jennifer? I think I wanted to believe that she wasn't guilty, but I also was like, I can totally see why she would do it, too. Yes, yes. Right, right. And then we have this little, kind of a nice little ending, if you will, 20 pages or so where she and Tate get back together. We find out they they live their life right there at her little, she calls it a shack, but by now she has indoor plumbing and she's got, you know, a little room and and the one brother that you had mentioned earlier Jody yeah he comes and and she and Tate are not able to have kids but he and his wife their kids come and they have this really lovely 30 years together then when she's 64 she dies and here it is at the very end where Tate is he needs to find a will I think because the town wants some documentation she had essentially purchased the house years ago she just paid $800, paid off the taxes, and she she owned the house. And then she'd established it as this natural... Sanctuary. Yeah, Yeah. sanctuary, yeah. So he's looking, and he sees this trap door, and then he finds the necklace that Chase was wearing, which is the clear indication, because when they found Chase, it was a necklace that Kaya had given him. That was a big part of the testimony was, okay, he's not wearing the necklace. Now, you told me when you had first read it, you... Maybe we're still hoping that she hadn't yeah, done Yeah, I it. think I was doing some, like, maybe she had gotten the necklace off of him right. some other way, or right. maybe this or that, or, like, she wasn't really responsible for it, you know, right. kind of thing. Right. I think there's still a part of me, even after reading it the second time, that I'm like, no, it was it was an accident. <laughs> Is that like, and that's because you really grew to, like, Kaya. Yeah, I think so. You really root for her, you guys. I mean, whatever you want to say good or bad about this book, I do like her. I find her as a likable character. Yeah, and I mean, frankly, also, it's like she's got this guy who's harassing her, and Mm -hmm. she does, I mean, not to say that that it's right to kill somebody who's harassing you, obviously, but especially someone who's, uh, that I, that's like, got so little protection in her life. Sure. You know, and, yeah. and I think that that's part of the point that Dilly is getting at is like, this is what would happen in nature, right? right. Like, the, right. if uh, if, you, if she wanted to be able to live the rest of her life with some sense of peace or mm-hmm. dignity and, you know, be able to live her, do what she enjoyed doing and being with Tate and stuff, this is like what she was going to have to do. Yeah. I still, I still struggle with the timeline, though. Oh, it had to be really close because it was all within... 24 hours yeah she she leaves her town for the first time ever to meet an editor and she takes the bus there they have dinner at a nicer hotel but she purposely requested another hotel more of a motel that's by the bus and then the the argument was could she have disguised herself as at that point was an elderly lady who took a 2 a.m. bus or midnight right like nobody on the bus except uh, one person yeah because they remember they called two people yes and and you know and and I mean obviously I think that the legal writing was good with the with her lawyer because he was like you know it has to be beyond a shadow of a doubt and these people had a doubt you know because I mean right they thought that she was a man or they thought right. she was an old lady an old or whatever. Lady. Yeah. So. And, but then when, when Tate sees this, Tate is clear exactly what has happened. 
Okay, so Tate sat at the kitchen table for a long time, taking it in, imagining her riding on night buses, catching a riptide, planning around the moon, softly calling to Chase in the darkness, pushing him backward, then squatting in mud at the bottom, lifting his head heavy with death to retrieve the necklace, covering her footprints, leaving no trace. So he he accepted that pretty quickly. He probably knew her the best and knew that she was smart enough to put it all together. She could have done it, yeah. Because you're right. Timing-wise, I think it was really tight, which was clearly what her lawyer was saying as well. But it had to do with the the riptide that he's mentioning, had to do with the moon, it had to do with... Did she swim out? Did she, where did she run? So we're still left wondering exactly how she did it. Because I still think like when I was listening to the testimony, I just kept thinking like there's no way she would have been able to do this. And I think that extended into even like that part where it was like, clearly there was evidence that she did it. And I was still like, no, <laughs> no, have done no, it. not you, Kaya. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He would have been acquitted by Lisa and Jennifer. <laughs> yeah, I would have been like, oh, I, oh, yeah. I would have acquitted her as well because in the trial, because I felt like, again, with you, was not beyond a shadow of a doubt. Was there a part of you, maybe this is just like the evil part of me, that yeah. I was also like, you go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a terrible person. Well, I, you know, it's really interesting. It's weird, right? Because we should be saying, like, oh, no, you shouldn't be murdering somebody, of course. But it's like if you've gotten into her head and, like, what she's been through and mm-hmm. how she's been so disappointed right. by people. Right. And, you know, she is, like, more animalistic than human. And, right. like, oh, my right. gosh, like, like Chase's family is terrible. And, like, all yes. these kids are terrible. They're horrible and like, to her. Yes. And yes. I mean, I guess maybe that gets back to the, my point of being like, they all left her. Yes. Like, right. And this know, is her. And- but that's where Jennifer, I cannot figure out the Kaya who would carefully plan a murder with the Kaya who is now a scientist and a writer. I mean, it doesn't all jive with me. I feel like Kaya is maybe four or five different people. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, there, she's just... Yeah. Okay, guys, because we also find out, for anyone who hasn't read this in a while, that Kaya was also a poet. I struggled with the Kaya who is a murderer and the Kaya who is part... is kind of a scientist and, and a poet. You know, <laughs> humans are complicated, right? I mean, she is. What's going to say about the poetry? I don't know if... Maybe because I listened to it as an audiobook. Yes, as, tell us about that. Um, tell us about that. So it would... So be going along and then it'd be like, oh, as the poet Amanda Hamilton says, and then it would go into the poem. And that happened four or five different times. It just seemed kind of like it broke up the flow a bit mm-hmm. when I was reading it. Although obviously the, the poetry was really beautiful and it For was, sure. yeah. you know, relevant to where it was in the storyline, but it just kind of sounded a little weird in the audiobook. I bet so. Okay. So tell us, is the person who read the poem the same person who reads the audiobook? It's the same woman the okay. whole time. I've listened to her audio book. Cassandra Campbell. She has a she's a great voice. Good voice. Great, okay. And it yeah, sounded really lovely. I mean, I'm sure with just the way it was written. Yeah, I mean, she did. I, I think I, I got, like, some of her... She tried to do a North Carolina accent for certain things that... I don't know. Was pretty good. I heard that like the like Jumpin's his accent was kind of written into the book. Like I just heard it 
how it was read. Were there spelling differentials and stuff like that? Yes, there okay. there were. It was a lot of, you know, the, the I-N, you know, not I-N-G. So it'd be I-N or swimming, stuff, little stuff like that. Kind of hard for me because cause I listen to a lot of books on audio books. So I don't, I don't really know. I'm just hearing right. whatever the person's yeah. saying. Well, right. right. Like, here's one. Right on when we meet Chase Andrews um, alive. The first time we meet him when he's alive and he's a little boy. He's a total stinker. Someone's scolding him. And it's like, and it's, I have a mind to tell y'all. So it's a Y apostrophe A-L-L apostrophe S. Um, Mama's about this. Or better, yo, Y-O apostrophe Papa's ride in. Just I-N, ride in with no G. So that happened quite a bit. Like, yourself... So there's a lot of running with no G, yo, instead of your. So there was a lot of, of that in the book. Did, did you find that annoying at all or did you like it? I guess I was okay with it because it was consistent. There's some books that, that have annoyed me a lot more um <laughs> yeah I was gonna say when I when I'm not doing audiobooks and I'm just reading regular books like sometimes when those accents like I, I just yes. can't yeah I don't know like for some reason my seeing it versus my hearing it it just kind of annoys me right <laughs> right I'm like just spell it right okay right. right 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 <laughs> okay so I wanted to bring up a really quick I guess the elephant in the room, Jennifer. So we have mentioned that, that we know Delia Owens has um, spent more than 20 years in Africa with her husband, isolated. In 2019, a piece on Slate was titled The Dark History Behind the Years, best-selling debut novel. That article discusses this long-ago murder in Africa where Delia Owens is not a suspect. Let's be very, very clear on that. What this article goes on to say, what most Crawdads fans don't know is that Delia and Mark Owens have been advised never to return to one of the African nations where they once lived and worked, Zambia, because they are wanted for questioning in a murder that took place three there decades ago. And it's really puzzling, you guys, because that murder, the victim remains unidentified, but it was actually filmed and broadcast on a national television in the U.S. in the 90s for a documentary about saving elephants. And so several articles say Delia Owens is not suspected of involvement, but her stepson Christopher and now ex-husband have been implicated by some witnesses, so it's still up in the air. I'm going to link to that article in the show notes. There was a 18,000-word story written in 2010 titled The Hunted, which was published in The New Yorker by Jeffrey Goldberg, which goes into this in great detail. The Slate article quotes him. He says, a number of people started emailing me about the book. Readers who made the connection between the Delia Owens of Crawdads and the Delia Owens of the New Yorker investigation. So I got a copy of Crawdads and I have to say, I found it strange and uncomfortable to be reading the story of a Southern loner a noble naturalist who gets away with what is described as a righteously motivated murder in the remote wild. Yeah, the connections between that kind of morally justified murder. But I mean, think about it, right? Like you, Chase Andrews is not a character that we're all very sympathetic to. No, no, like you said, do we feel bad because we're kind of like, hey man, you're a jerk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But also, I mean, who's also not a sympathetic character? I mean, a poacher. Right. They're not sympathetic. Of course, you know, the poacher is. a sympathetic person. Correct. And the poacher is 
a real person. And I think yep. as I go into yep. a little more with the New Yorker article, I think there's some question about was that person for sure poaching? And, and there's a lot of a, a lot of issues. And like, what, what do they have to do there to be able to survive to live? I mean, right. You can also put like Chase had to be a jerk because that was what was expected of him, too. So these are all like very morally ambiguous. Yeah, so much to unpack with this book and with real life. I was hoping that she would make friends, you know, she would, right. you know, and I feel like me, she had her life with Tate at the end, but she was still a loner. She yes. still didn't. And I was just like, man, I don't. I don't know. It seems to me like someone who grows up that isolated might kind of want the reverse when they get older. For sure. For sure. And I also thought it was really interesting that so many people went to her funeral. But again, they still weren't supportive of her. It sounds like even as an adult. That was a little strange. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of disingenuous, you know. It just kind of muddled over a lot. Yeah. Like she's this person that everybody loves or something but like clearly didn't (laughs) right 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 one of my favorite parts of the show is where it kind of switched the the narrative is there a book that everyone hated it but me maybe it's a book that has not sold 10 million copies (laughs) that you think people should should check out because let's be honest guys most books don't sell this many copies I've got a couple of nonfiction books that I've been listening to recently. I've been a lot on kind of body positivity, health and exercise stuff. Oh, good, good, I was reading this book. I I, I got about halfway through it. I haven't finished it, but it's called Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings. Oh, okay. It gets into kind of the racial origins of fat phobia. Oh, it's more of a sociology book. It's a lot of history, but she goes into how the metaphor of the ideal feminine beauty really shifted based on a lot, frankly, racism okay. and also right. capitalism. Okay. Fearing the black body. Sabrina Strange. It's made news of like sociology, oh, right, right, but right. it's not like a general mainstream thing. But I, f- I feel like the narrative of like, you know, oh, you eat too much and you don't exercise Sorry, enough. So no. <laughs> and, yeah. It's like such a simplistic, you yes. know. It's a little uh, more to, to deal with than just... <laughs> There's a lot more shades of gray. Yeah. Yeah. And along those lines, I also started reading What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat by Aubrey Gordon. Oh, nice. Who is known online as your fat friend. And she's... Uh, I've been following her for a while. It's another nonfiction book. It's got 381 ratings on Amazon. This book has not been read enough by no, enough people. No, that's <laughs> not been read at all. No, 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 no. Just one, a third one is like a YA young kids yeah. book. It's called uh, Starfish by Lisa Phipps. I think it's just, it's like five and up, honestly. So it's, oh. but it's, it's about a little girl who's struggling with her weight oh, and uh, nice. how she handles it. So. I thought it was like, uh, I, I wish I would have read that when I was, you know, oh, seven or eight. You know? That's awesome. Yeah, that's a great one. And, and I'm going to include, you know, links to all these in show notes. This is like just a, a fun fiction book. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson. Um, oh, it is like, yes. have you read it? It's so weird, but so funny. The kids that are on fire, right? <laughs> it was just it was delightful in a way that I never thought something like that subject would be delightful (laughs) it was so quirky it is it's these two kids and they're kind of abandoned by 
one of their they're parents. like rich mom yes. yeah and like a politician dad yes. and then like the mom the mom had a friend from boarding school from co- who, yes. yeah shows and th- who shows up and tries to take care of them so it gets yeah. into some class issues but it's just also just so weird and funny <laughs> it, it is it is yeah they just go on yeah they just Advent- set on fire. adventures yeah, yeah. They just, yeah. it was just it was the humor it was just it was so deadpanned and I don't oh know it just gosh. hit me right at the right time I like needed something like that I was like oh, this that's is really just good. Yeah. so out there but it's just so funny you know yeah more people should probably be reading that book I can't remember yeah. what it has for reviews but I, I don't think it, it doesn't have enough okay yeah. you know what I don't always throw one out here I'm gonna offer one for my everyone hated it and again it's just more of an overlooked book since we're talking a lot about nonfiction. it's Lawrence Anthony's The Elephant Whisperer and I, I almost did not read it because I did not think it was a good name it doesn't really parallel crawdads that much but it tells how he gets this rogue elephant herd in 2000 and he's struggling to to keep these elephants alive he's fighting the good fight like Delia Owens and, and her husband and it gets into poaching and you do see this back and forth where there's gunfire so whatever you guys do I will include a link make sure you don't get the YA one because it doesn't include some of those really good um battles and there kind of are some <laughs> some battles and and it is a feel-good story when you want a feel-good story there there's enough tension there's issues there's cultural issues um decisions he's making th- things like that it's a lovely book so well Delia Owens in her interviews I was listening to she was talking a lot about elephants yeah so. right absolutely she connected because elephants are in maternal packs so it's like the importance I think of like female friendship yes so she put she kind of connected that with crawdads you know right because in elephants the female is the leader and they get into that a lot they depend on each other they just have these fascinating roles after listening to some of those interviews this morning, I was like, I, I want to learn more about elephants. Absolutely. <laughs> Which is surprising that did, did not include friendship for poor Kaya. <laughs> Female friendship. Yeah. <laughs> Considering yeah. she ma- compared her so much, clearly, like you said, to an animal in some ways, right? The nature part of her, but her friends were just other animals. Yeah. They were not. I mean, I think Dilly was talking about it like she was making this book be about like what isolation does to a person and you're like why can't you get give uh, Kaya some friends nope that wasn't gonna happen you guys <laughs> some, girl, some girlfriends yeah right. I'm looking forward to what, what watching the movie of course I will watch the movie oh I, I, I will actually too, think right I yeah. think Daisy Edgar Jones is a great actress yes. she was in uh, yes. Normal People which was also yes. a book yeah yeah I Absolutely. I will watch it too. You know, why not? Yeah. Um yeah. I, yes. I think it will be good and for the for the scenery alone. For sure. It's got to be really beautiful. And I can't wait to see what they do with her um the shack. It's got to be like a hallmark moment because don't you think it was in your head that they described this like a horrible place with no indoor plumbing no running water she becomes this author she's getting these checks and then she hires this handyman who just shows up and you know fixes it up and it sounds like it's almost into a little cottage I mean honestly that area I mean obviously it was a fictional town but that's probably like a very wealthy area now right Mm -hmm. it's like it's a vacation touristy place now right right and they alluded to that in the book too okay 
you know, when jumping past now, there's what wasn't there a high end restaurant where his place was, and where this other place was now, there was more of those little shops and things like that. Definitely, it, it had kind of morphed into like a little touristy place, but she was still sticking with her yeah. roots. Hopefully, uh, you know, they were able to save her a little land and keep it from being developed into like a Buffalo Wild Wings or something. Right, right. <laughs> I think so. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you right. so much. Welcome to the after show. And I really want to give a big thanks to Jennifer Bird for being my guest and talking so candidly about where the crawdads sing and offering so much analysis of the book. I also want to thank all of you for listening to my show. This is a brand new podcast, and it's a one-woman show. I read all the books, write, produce, and edit everything from my central Ohio home. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'd really love it if you could tell all your friends and relatives about my show. It would also help me if you would consider a five-star rating because that's how other people can find my show. You can connect with me on social media. My website is www.everyoneloveditbutme.com. If you've got an Everyone Loved It But Me book that you'd like to talk about on the podcast, you can reach me on my website or also on Instagram at Everyone Loved It But Me or on Twitter everyone but me and I've got a Facebook group which you can find by searching everyone loved it but me I have show notes for every episode you can find links to the books we discussed and on these links I've chosen to affiliate with bookshop.org which is an online bookstore similar to a really big one that I think you've all heard about but this one has a mission to support local independent bookstores which I feel is important So any purchases you make of the books we discussed, if you follow those links, they will support this mission, and I receive a tiny bit of compensation as well, and that's another way you can support the show. Again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a delightful day, and most importantly, I hope you get a chance to read today.